Hello, I'm Han. You're listening to Han Talks First, a Star Wars podcast, the podcast you're looking for, where we talk everything about Star Wars. Imagine that. And you're listening to it because you fuck like Palpatine. Here's a theme song. So yes, welcome back to another episode of another week of Han Talks First. So happy you could join us here today. Just going to do a, another really quick episode just to kind of get you started on your week. Hope your Monday's off to a good start. And if not, well, maybe listening to this podcast could help you brighten up that day. So I just wanted to cover all the latest news that's been going around because there's not a lot of content at the moment, so we must rely heavily on speculation, rumor, and leaks. I will not be discussing leaks until the very end of this episode, so I will give you a warning, and when that time comes, I will let you all know, so that way you can tune out and not have anything spoiled for you and potentially ruin your life. So, I'm also going to mention one thing here at the top, and that is all the stuff surrounding this Kathleen Kennedy controversy. Controversy. (laughs) Now, as a lot of you know, and a lot of you may be culprits of, a lot of people think that Kathleen Kennedy has this feminism agenda around her, that she only wants women to enjoy Star Wars, and that the Force belongs to the female. Yes, this is crap that's been coming around for, I would say, like heavily started once The Last Jedi came out. And I, I just, it's been getting more and more attentive brought to it, and I just think it's kind of kind of crazy, but I wanted to talk a little bit about it here because I think Kathleen Kennedy is one of our heroes today because without her, we wouldn't even have anything in Star Wars. Yeah, they they could bring on a new president or whatever, but honestly, Kathleen Kennedy is one of the greatest producers of all time, and George Lucas trusted her. So maybe we should have a little bit more faith. So for those of you that are already a fan, I'll try to get by this section pretty quick. But for those of you that aren't a fan, I'm here to maybe shed some light on on her and hopefully change your mind. Or if not, just uh, make you see things from a different perspective or a certain point of view. So Kathleen Kennedy was asked by the BBC before the BAFTAs, if the Star Wars movies will ever have a female director. And she said that they would, and that they were already working with female directors, like Deborah Chow, 
on The Mandalorian and also on the upcoming Obi-Wan series. But the question is, do you think that there will be female directors in the Star Wars movies, theatrical movies? And if so, or without it, will Kathleen Kennedy still be around during this time? Will she still be the head of Lucasfilm when a Star Wars movie is made with a female director in its chair? So... I believe that Kathleen Kennedy, she does have an agenda to put more female creators in Star Wars, but I do not think that is her main agenda or objective. I think her main objective is to make good Star Wars content. And if she gets some women in there, then that's just a bonus. And also a goal of hers probably to incorporate more women in this field of work. Now, for those of you that argue that she has this female agenda and she only thinks the force belongs to women and whatever whatever your belief is, think about every single Star Wars movie we've had so far under her control. Remember, Kathleen Kennedy picks everybody, right? She picks all the, all the creatives, all the crew. Everyone who has made a Star Wars movie so far has been a man. Anything in the theatrical run. Uh, you, uh, technically, every Star Wars movie has been made by a man, but uh, specifically pointing out under her regime, it has been people that she hired are men. So I don't understand where this belief comes from that she's only wanting to push for female directors in the future because it, it doesn't appear that way. And it seems the way she's approaching getting female directors into the movies is to start them off small. Um, my theory is Deborah Chow is being trained right now in television to potentially bring her up to bigger projects such as a movie, a full-length feature film. And... It started small with just like two episodes of The Mandalorian. She performed well, so she gave her her own series in the Obi-Wan miniseries. And then I think if that does well, then she's going to get her own movie, and we'll see her as the first female Star Wars director. And then, of course, there's also Bryce Dallas Howard. She directed two episodes of The Mandalorian. And I think the same goes for her. I think she really loves Star Wars, being that she's you know, the daughter of Ron Howard and a friend of George Lucas. So she'd probably be interested as well. But again, both of them are not feature film experienced. So I think they're being pampered right now up until the point where they can begin to direct that feature length project. Now, as far as like the female directors that are already exist that have had experience working on full length feature films, there was rumor that Patty Jenkins was asked way long ago to direct something. Uh, like, years ago she was asked, but she just wasn't interested. That could be because she's focused on Wonder Woman, or it could be that she's just not interested in Star Wars. And there was also one other person that Kathleen Kennedy said that she was working with that was a woman, 
or was in talks with to make a project, but that name never surfaced. So one thing that um, Kathleen Kennedy did say at the um, but, uh, to the BBC was that um, she says, we've already got them. We're doing The Mandalorian, and we've got two or three fantastic working, fantastic men, women working right now in Star Wars. And we just brought in Deborah Chow, who is doing the Obi-Wan series. And oh, absolutely, they will direct movies without question. So, the women I just mentioned are all previous people that have worked on Star Wars. But, she's saying, after Deborah Chow, there's already two or three women working in development on Star Wars projects as a director that we still haven't had any announcements of. So, that's exciting. One, that we have at least at least two women uh, directors who could be announced coming up soon with a project that's currently in development. Um, And Deborah Chow is just one that is probably one of them, but just slowly working her way up there. And of course we know, you know, Tony Gilroy is is making stuff, uh, John Favreau. um, There's there's way more men that are making Star Wars projects than women. So I I hope that kind of shed some light on this myth that she (laughs) hates men that I just think is kind of crazy. But anyway, that is the Kathleen Kennedy controversy. And with that out of the way, I want to get in to all the news that is happening in Star Wars. And I would like to begin with talking about Ryan Johnson. So the opinions of The Rise of Skywalker in many ways, for everybody, are contingent on each individual's personal opinion of The Last Jedi. And today, we're actually going to find out what Mr. Ryan Johnson thinks of The Rise of Skywalker. So he was asked about a week ago what his thoughts were on the movie, because it was very strange that he wasn't at the premiere. It was very strange that he hadn't been seen at a showing of this movie. And it's very strange that he said he hasn't had any conversations with Lucasfilm since, you know, he has left the Star Wars world. So uh, a lot of very interesting comments here. And of course, I don't know that for sure, but that's just what I've heard. But this uh, quote I have here from him is, I didn't ask him directly, but this is something I stumbled upon. I think it was Esquire.com, so it's, uh, you can believe it. So he was asked what he thought of the movie, and he said, I had a blast. Made me so proud, and seeing the heart and soul that J.J. put into it, and seeing my friends who were in the movie just, like, bring the whole thing to a conclusion. Yeah, for me, as a Star Wars fan, it was really special experience. End quote. There you go. So it seems like he really enjoyed it. It seems like he didn't go in with any kind of political ideas or expectations. And I don't know. I feel like if I was him, I'd be a little mad or a little disappointed. I would be mad because I would think, um, okay, you threw away everything I, I put in 
But I guess it was because I threw away everything you put in. And I would also be disappointed because I would be like, well, it really didn't do anything new and it really didn't take my story to the next point. So I, I kind of, it's weird. I love The Rise of Skywalker and at the same time, I hate The Last Jedi and I kind of wish we had gone off of those story beats left behind because I like storytelling and I like sequels. And The Last Jedi, in my opinion, is not a sequel to <laughs> Force Awakens. And the same exact thing with The Rise of Skywalker. It is not a sequel to The Last Jedi. It's just three separate stories that happen to be about the same exact people. Just my opinion. But for everyone who was wondering about Ryan Johnson's, there it is. He had a blast, man. So I'm going to move on to the official news now. So even though Obi-Wan Kenobi... As we all know, I talked about it in the last two weeks, actually, has been delayed until 2021. That doesn't mean that we have, that we don't have another show in the works. And that show being the Cassian Andor series. The one that I've told you guys, I have no idea why is being <laughs> made into a, a series. I just feel like it's a waste of time, money, energy. <sighs> anyway. It is unveiling more and more every day the details about this Disney Plus show. So, what do we know? For one, we got a title. Uh, not confirmed, but um, it is said to be called The Cassian Andor Rebel Adventures. Gotta admit, that's a really great title. I fucking love the title. Uh, some other news that we got is it's filming this year. Hmm? How about that? And it's also a prequel show. <laughs> Obviously, it's a prequel show. I mean, he died at the end of Rogue One, so <laughs> that would be a really, really terrible sequel TV series to <laughs> Cassian Andor. <laughs> uh, sorry. Okay. So uh, <laughs> another thing about it is that we also there's also a quote from him about the shooting of this show. So it's... Really, this thing wasn't technically ever official. I mean, no one... Kathleen Kennedy specifically never officially said, we are making a Cassian Andor series. There's been a panel about it. Diego Luna has talked about it. Alan Tudyk has talked about it. But still, no one has... Like, as far as, like, the executive department of Lucasfilm goes, or Disney, no one's said anything about the show. It's very interesting to me. Um... And I'll get into why I think it hasn't been officially, officially announced. So, but the quote from Diego Luna is, he says, uh, when he was asked if, if, like, when they're doing it, if they're going to do it at all, blah, blah, blah. He said, yes, we're doing it. We are doing it this year, and I can't wait. It's a really cool story to tell, and it's really cool when you already know the ending. The ending being that, I guess, he died. And... Him saying this only makes me think, well, they're probably going to have some heavy tie-ins to the ending of Rogue One and his demise. Uh, there's Because I do not think that Cassian Endor in the Rogue One was a good character at all. I thought he was flat. I thought he lacked... Honestly, I didn't have these thoughts when I watched Rogue One initially. I only had these thoughts when I found out they were making a TV show about him. Because then I was like, oh, okay, they're making a TV show about Cassian Andor. Wait a minute, 
why? Why? What? <laughs> why? There was, I thought, and then I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? I really like every other character more than I liked Cassian Ender. He's my least favorite in Rogue One. And um, I would have loved to see a show about the two, uh, the two temple guards. Uh, I can't remember their Chirid and the other guy, his his bodyguard, essentially. That would have been a great show, but uh, honestly, a, a show about any of the people from Rogue One I think is kind of pointless. They had a movie that is very specifically about them dying, and I kind of like it just like that, you know? Anyway, so I think this story will have heavy tie-ins and symmetry and lead-up until his... Um, Rogue One story, and I think his time and place in Rogue One will be essentially his third act of this lead-up TV series, and I think his arc will flow into Rogue One. So it's almost like Rogue One is not a full story for Cassian Andor, which makes sense if you're making a prequel show based off a character in an ensemble movie. So... Another great piece of news we got from this show is that Tony Gilroy is writing the pilot episode, and he'll be directing multiple episodes. Who the fuck's Tony Gilroy? Well, he's the guy that saved Rogue One. Rogue One, as everyone thinks, was directed by Gareth Edwards. And yes, he did direct it, but rumor, heavy, heavy rumor from people outside and inside the Star Wars movie-making world have said that he did a terrible job, didn't know what he was doing, in over his head, well, an inconsistent story, didn't understand the story, just didn't make a good movie. And Kathleen Kennedy, after, uh, you know, initial photography was done, kind of pushed him to the side, pushed him to the side, and brought in Tony Gilroy, a well-established professional filmmaker, and brought him in and had him reshoot um, a lot of the movie and had him heavily edit down what was already previously worked on. And it said that if it wasn't for Tony Gilroy, this film would have been ruined and it would not have been a good movie. And Tony Gilroy really saved this film. And, and he, the funny thing is he hates Star Wars. So that's like what, how you know that this guy's a good filmmaker, that he can just focus on just the art of it and just make a good movie on something he hates, too. I mean, that, that just shows a great artist he was, and a very professional artist. He was hired for something, and he did the work. And the fact that he's coming back to do this show, though, really makes me think, well, maybe he's grown a love for Star Wars. Maybe he's grown a love for these characters, especially since he got to rewrite them. Maybe Cassian Andor was his favorite, and maybe he's the one who proposed this idea. And if that's the case, then I'm very interested in the show. But you know what? A lot of the times I've been proven wrong with Star Wars. I, I wasn't excited for The Mandalorian. I mean, I, I was excited, but not nearly as much as I should have been. And then I saw the show and ended up falling in love with it, and it's great. I really love it. While Tony Golroy is going to have, play a major heavy role as one of the people that's kicking off this series, he is not the showrunner. The showrunner is a man by the name of Stephen Schiff. And he is very well known in the TV world. He's made a lot of great hits. And he's the one who's brought on board to be the showrunner of the show. Now, 
The reason why I say that this show, I think, has not had many major announcements is because it is all outsourced people creating this series. Tony Gilroy is not involved in Lucasfilm, Star Wars, or Disney at all. Steven Skiff is not involved with Lucasfilm, Star Wars, or Disney at all. And I imagine, being the showrunner, and Tony Gilroy being the person he is, they're going to outsource their crews with people they want to work with, therefore bringing in new faces, new creators, new editors, new everything into the show, and creating something new, almost as if doing a genre piece in a Star Wars movie, uh, which I think could be very refreshing. I think it could bring a new face to the television series of the Star Wars world, which would be nice to have. And at the same time, it's it's kind of scary, because what if it doesn't go as planned? I don't know. And the reason why I'm so heavily against this show is because if this show doesn't work, it's going to be a factor. It's going to be a risk of other shows not getting the chance to see the light of day. If The Mandalorian would have failed, I don't think we would be getting an Obi-Wan series. I don't. I mean, that's what that's what these shows are. I mean, if you think about Solo, Solo failed at the box office. It bombed. And because of that, they canceled the Obi-Wan movie and they put it to television. Now, if The Mandalorian had failed right after that, they would have said, well, maybe we shouldn't do the Obi-Wan series either because people don't want a bunch of nostalgia. That's just, that's just my thinking. At this point, I don't think Obi-Wan series can be ruined or canceled indefinitely, but I do think that this show, Cassian Andor Rebel Adventures, is a high-risk show on a character that really didn't stand out that much, that could potentially make it very difficult for other shows to see the light of day. And movies. So, it premieres in 2021. Uh, the rumors are that it'll premiere early 2021. So we'll see, and hopefully it's good. I definitely have, as Leia would say, only hope. All right, now on to the last bit of news today. And the last bit of news is that we, it's been rumored a lot this past like month that Star Wars Rebels is getting a sequel and that it's coming out this year in November. What? When was this? How? What? I mean, <laughs> the Mandalorian season two is going to be in October. Like what? When do they have when do they have time for this? And then Clone Wars is next week. I mean, what? 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 Anyway. Now, I do have some specs about what the Star Wars Rebels sequel would be. And for those of you that have not watched Rebels or do or um are not caught up yet or just don't want to know what it's about because you just don't care at this point. I'm going to get into spoilers because I am going to start talking about what the Rebel sequels will entail. So if you're not interested, please tune out now. Thank you for listening. Uh, love you very much. Have a great day. And for the rest of you, let's talk about it. So the rumor detailed 
the focus of this first season of the sequel to Rebels. And it would be based on Ezra Bridger and Admiral Thrawn, and the two of them would find themselves in the Unknown Regions, as many people predicted. And they'll primarily be based off the Chiss world of Scylla. And for those of you that read the comic books of Thrawn, or, I'm sorry, the, the novels or the original novels from the 90s, you know, um, you'll, you'll know what, what this is, and that's where Thrawn is from and his people are from, and this is, like, really cool. And while they're there, Bridger and Thrawn become unlikely allies as they find themselves caught up in the middle of a war between the Chiss, Ascendancy, and the Grisk. Now, this could lead for really cool storytelling. And I see callbacks already to earlier seasons of Rebels when um, Zeb was stuck in that cave with um, the... uh, God, what's his name? The Imperial officer who helped who helped the rebels out at the end of the movie, at the end of the series and turned to the rebels. <sighs> anyway, it reminds me of their relationship. Zeb and God, I can't remember his name. If anyone knows, please shout it at me in like a comment or something. God, it's going to bug me for the rest of the day. Anyway. So while the show, according to this rumor would predominantly focus on Ezra Bridger and Admiral Thrawn, it would also set up, Ahsoka Tano and Sabine Wren's mission to figure out where they disappeared to following the ending of, of Rebels. Now, this could be also really cool storytelling, which could be kind of parallel storytelling. It'll have like an episode of Thrawn and Ezra and then an episode of Sabine and um, Ahsoka. And then as the, as the series goes on, they get closer and closer to each other. And then at a certain point, they, they, cl- they clash and then they both have to work together. And that could be what keeps the show running, is every season, uh, the two parties just get closer and closer together. And I just, just thinking about it makes me like really excited for it, and I think it could be really cool. And then the sequel series is also expected to introduce some new characters. And like Thrawn's niece is expected to play a key role, as she's a Force-sensitive and acts as a navigator in the Unknown Regions for the Chiss Navy. And it's also expected to introduce the last living member of the Rakata Empire. And the, this character is described as a powerful Force-sensitive warrior who was once a cruel tyrant when the Rakata Empire was at its height. Now, a, a lot of these uh, references um, or names I'm not too familiar with, such as Thrawn's niece. Um, but if you guys would like me to look into it more, I'd be happy to and give you some details. Just let me know. Um, but honestly, that's it for news that I got today, guys. Thank you so much for listening and please tune in next week because we're going to have more Star Wars stuff to talk about. Uh, please go to Apple podcasts and rate it, rate the show, subscribe and, um, leave a comment. It helps out tremendously. Check out the social media. Everything is at Han Talks First. Instagram is at Han Talks First Podcast. There's also a Patreon where you can support the channel on a grander level. And yeah. Thank you so much, guys. And keep a lookout for our YouTube page because pretty soon we're going to be transferring to video where you can all stare at my ugly face. So thank you so much for listening again. And now, somehow, someway, somewhere, this week, may the Force be with you.
doing.